0: You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode.
1: The teaching concerning the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Bible understanding is very important in the days in which we live. What's really going on in the world? How do we understand the things that are taking place? All nations are facing an uncertain future, and it's a direct consequence of the tiny, invisible virus that's attacking mankind. It's created this unstable situation that reminds us of our mortality, the certainty of death. Indeed, many already have succumbed to COVID-19. And despite mankind's very best efforts, all the latest medical inventions, the words spoken to Adam are still true today. Dying, thou shalt die. All life comes to an end. The journey of life ends for all of us in the grave. There's no remembrance of God. All thoughts perish. The cycle of life has drawn to its close. The divine sentence, dust thou art unto dust thou shalt return, has reached its inevitable conclusion. But although death comes to all of us, the Lord Jesus Christ has broken the cycle because on the third day he rose to life again. He became the first fruits, didn't he? And that description shows that there are other fruits to follow. Others like him will burst the bonds of death. In the 1st of Corinthians and chapter 15 and verse 20, we read, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Christ is the firstfruits. He's the beginning of the harvest of all those that sleep. And so, who are these ones who are asleep, the sleeping ones? When will they awake? What does the future hold for them? Well, the prophet Daniel speaks of a time of trouble such as never was. And as we behold a turmoil in the world, surely Daniel's time of trouble is even now coming upon us. This is the time when Jesus returns and he raises those who sleep. And so we read in Daniel chapter 12 and verse 1, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, and some to shame and everlasting contempt, two classes. Notice Daniel says, those that sleep. There there are some for whom death is not a finality. They're merely sleeping, as the Bible terms it, in the earth, awaiting the resurrection. When together with those who are still alive, they will be taken to the judgment seat. The judgment seat of Christ, it's the final dramatic scene in a long journey. For some, it's going to be a time of great sadness, but for others, it's going to be a time of great joy. The beginning of a new life, a new life without end. They will be made immortal, the glorified people of the Lord Jesus Christ. They will be given the great honor of bringing peace to the earth. What a wonderful thing. And then, when the kingdom of God is established, they're going to be the teachers, they're going to be the rulers upon the earth, working under the direction of the Lord Jesus Christ, who will be king over all the earth. And so we read again in Revelation chapter 5 and at verse 10 and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Kings and priests. The rulers, the teachers of the kingdom age. What a wonderful prospect to those who accept the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ, for those who will be accepted at the judgment seat of Christ. And how sad it's going to be for those who are turned away, those who perish forever. As we saw in Daniel, there are two groups of people, some that awake, but also in Daniel 12 and verse 2, some who awake to shame and everlasting contempt. But those who are found worthy by the Lord Jesus Christ will be given everlasting life, a life without end, a life free of pain and a life free of anxiety. And so again, we read in Revelation chapter 21 and verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And these are the wonderful things that are revealed in our Bibles. And all we need to know concerning God's plan and purpose with the earth, it's all there. Not only does it reveal the future, but it also has an invitation that we might join, that we might rule with the Lord Jesus Christ in his kingdom. You know, many, many people have sought dominion over the world. They've sought to rule the world. That was a great ambition of Alexander the Great. But of course, he died at the age of 33. And yet God has given us an invitation that we should rule the world with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's not the mighty or the wise that God has chosen. Because we read in Corinthians In Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 27, God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. We can perhaps enter into the emotions of the judgment seat by recalling our own feelings of success and, and those times of failure that we've experienced in our own lives, the joy, The exhilaration of success, the deep disappointment and the sadness that follows times of failure. And perhaps we can illustrate the experience by thinking of a a job interview, maybe. We're elated, we're happy if we're successful, but when we fail, we're gloomy, we're despondent when we're rejected. And we can think of life as being a time of probation a time of testing training for a new position we've got the best job offer anybody could ever receive to rule the earth under the leadership of the lord jesus christ immortal untiring without the frailties of our nature how futile is our life if we live a life without hope and mankind of course well they spend their wealth don't they they expend all their energy. They're, they're trying to extend their life for maybe just a few extra years. And if only they were to put that same amount of effort into serving the Lord Jesus Christ, then he would give them that free gift, the gift of eternal life. And so we read in Romans 6 and verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life, Through Jesus Christ our Lord and that surely reminds us of the importance of the judgment seat of Christ it's a matter of life and death the issues of life are going to be decided the Apostle Paul teaches that resurrection and judgment well it's a first principle it's a a doctrine isn't it and so we read in Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 1 and 3 of the doctrine of baptisms, and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Resurrection, of course, is a New Testament word. It's the Greek word anastasis, and it simply means standing up again. That's exactly what it is. And although the word resurrection doesn't occur in the Old Testament, yet it's very clearly taught upon many occasions. We know, for example, that Job believed in resurrection. In Job chapter 19 and verses 25 and 27, well-known words, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand in the latter day upon the earth, and though after my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, And not another though my reins be consumed within me in my flesh shall I see God his eyes would behold that was Job's hope of resurrection Isaiah also calls to those who dwell in the dust Isaiah 26 Isaiah 26 and verse 19 Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they arise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Awake and sing, the earth shall cast out the dead. And so the teaching of resurrection is clear in both the Old and in the New Testaments. But who's going to be raised from the grave? Who will stand before the Lord Jesus? Will all those who have ever lived be raised for judgment? And the Bible's answer is this, that not all men are going to be raised. Those who've never seen the light of God's truth are going to remain in the grave. These are the dead who are going to sleep a perpetual sleep and will not wake. And so again, we read concerning these things in Ecclesiastes 9 and verse five and six that the dead know not anything neither have they any more a reward for the memory of them is forgotten they're forgotten in the grave and again in ecclesiastes chapter 9 and at verse 10 whatsoever thy hand findeth to do do it with thy might for there's no work nor device nor knowledge nor wisdom in the grave whither thou goest And again, the psalmist again picks up on this very same theme in Psalm 6 and verse 5. For in death there is no remembrance of thee, in the grave who shall give thee thanks. And again, one more, Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 16. Man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of of the dead. And there's many passages that we could turn to that teach us the same truth that the dead know not anything the dead praise not god nor any that go down into silence indeed the grave is styled the land of darkness by job And again, in the Psalms, it's called the land of forgetfulness. But for those who accept and those who act upon Bible teaching, there is indeed a way of escape from the grave. The faithful will stand again. Sadly, however, not all who are brought before the Lord Jesus Christ are going to be found worthy. Some in the course of their lives will have turned their backs upon him. Some will have heard of him, believed in him, but not taken the action that he requires. And so we read that we've all got to give account of our lives. We've got to give account of our lives to God, to to the Lord Jesus Christ. Second of Corinthians five and verse ten. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he has done whether it be good or bad and that word all doesn't mean everyone who's ever lived we've already seen that the vast majority of mankind are going to sleep a perpetual sleep they shall not wake It's only those that are responsible to judgment, those who know God's will, whether they've accepted it or whether they've rejected it, they must all appear before the judgment seat. And some will be accepted, some will awake to everlasting life, but others, sadly, are going to be rejected. They're going to suffer everlasting shame and contempt. Now, Paul, as he writes to the Romans, says exactly the same thing. For we shall all give account. We all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14 and verse 10. So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. We've got to stand before the judgment seat. We've got to give account of what we've done, whether it's good or bad. What are we going to say? I was too busy. I didn't find any time. There's too many other things for me to do. There's the football, there's the rugby, there's the holidays, shopping, there's endless things for us to do in the world today. But what have we done for God? Have we done the very things that he requires of us? We're going to be judged on what we've done. We have to obey the truth. We've got to seek for eternal life. It's the active principle that must motivate our lives, that we might continue in patient continuance in well-doing. And so we read in Romans chapter 2 and verse 6, who will render to every man according to his deeds, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness indignation and wrath what do we need to do in order to be pleasing to our god you know there's so many things that come naturally to us we've only to look at the selfish self-centered world that's guided by humanism and not by the things of God. And the Bible warns us against doing those things that come naturally. It's got a special name for human thinking. It calls it the works or the thinking of the flesh. And so we've got to decide, haven't we? Are we going to live our lives after the flesh or after the spirit? Romans chapter 8 and verse 13. For if you live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye, through the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. Again, it's a matter of life and death. Serve the flesh, and you will die. Put the deeds of the body to death, and you will live. It's crystal clear, isn't it? There's no human rights involved. God's word is the moral standard by which each one of us must live. And so we read in the book of Galatians, in chapter 6 and verse 8, For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And Paul tells us what the works of the flesh are. We hear them, we see them in the world around us every day. And so we read in uh, Galatians again in chapter 5 and verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. It's almost an endless list, isn't it? Of the which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we need to bring forth in our lives fruit to God. And notice the difference between work and fruit. The works are of the flesh, the fruit is of the spirit. And God requires us to bring forth fruit in our lives. And so in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 22, here it is. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And so God is calling us that we might be a separate people, that we might lead a separate way of life. We're a people called out from the billions of mankind for a position of rulership in the kingdom of God. And we're training for a position of authority in that kingdom. We're called to be kings and priests. And so we've got to be very careful to follow the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 3 to 5, here we have it, fornication, all uncleanness, covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient but rather giving of thanks, for this ye know, that no whoremonger or unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. No place in the kingdom for the covetous. Scriptures teach us that covetousness is idolatry. And we're living, are we not, in an age of covetousness, where material possessions are coveted after. But soon the true riches are to be revealed. And so we've got to seek the true riches now before it's too late and we have warned that judgment is based upon the words spoken by jesus and we're told jesus spake the words of god and we know that it's obedience to god's word that would judge us in the last day and so again we read in john chapter 12 and verse 48 He that rejecteth me, and receiveth not my words, hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. But we've got to view life with optimism, and we've got to view life with confidence, that we might have confidence in the day of judgment. And the Apostle Paul, at the end of his life, was confident, wasn't he? Here he is in Timothy. I've fought a good fight I've finished my course I've kept the faith henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day and not to me only but unto all them also that love his appearing Jesus is the righteous judge he's not like judges today set with human frailty and human weakness, but he's one that's experienced our nature. He's able to empathize with our human weakness, and so we can have every confidence before him. John chapter, first of John, chapter two and verse 28. And now, little children, abide in him, that when he shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. And again in chapter 4 and verse 17, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Confidence and boldness at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. But of course, we've got to make preparation, haven't we? We believe that the return of Christ is very near, that soon all the faithful saints of the ages will be gathered to that judgment seat. We read in Thessalonians chapter 4, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall be raised first. Then we which are alive and remain will be gathered together in clouds to meet the Lord. And we're very close to the day which is being termed the time of the dead, when they shall be judged. And in Revelation and the 11th chapter and verse 18, we read, And the nations were angry, and thy wrath is come, and the time of the dead that they should be judged, and that thou shouldest give reward unto thy servants, the prophets, and to the saints and them that fear thy name, small and great, and should destroy them which destroy the earth. A time of judgment coming very shortly upon the earth. God is going to destroy those that destroy the earth. Are we ready? Are we waiting for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm sure you've heard the story of that wise old man who was giving advice to a young man to choose his occupation. And he said this, take a job in one of the three B's. What are those, said the young man, and the wise old man explained that the three B's were these, beer, bread and burial. Sound advice for this life, but let's remember this, you can do without beer, you can live without bread, but no one can escape burial, but you can make preparation so that when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, he will bring you up out of the grave. The grave is certain, but in the Lord Jesus Christ, there has been made a way of escape.